This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I've never cleaned my ankles in my entire life, I don't think. <laughs> not once. Fifty-one thousand plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Long fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 yes. 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 Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. to this week's episode of the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Sports Drink and our friends all over the world, including two extra special friends joining us from the Sports Drink Network today. It's the Average Chatting Boys. What's up, guys? Hey, what's happening, fellas? Hi, hi now. Glad to finally do this uh, for the second time, but the first time. Really the third time. Or maybe the third time. But does it feel like the first time, Alex? Always. Every time. <laughs> It's my first time being being with uh, with Cam and Alex. So welcome to the show. Very excited to finally have you on for the Platinum Average Yuletide Extravaganza. Just a reminder, we are also brought to you by the Emotional Support Bra. We will get into that a little bit more later in the show. So considering we are right in the midst of a lockout right now, there's kind of limited baseball action to actually talk about here. But I am kind of curious to know. I want to ask you guys a question. I had asked Dylan a couple of weeks ago, as it pertains to Freddie Freeman, he's the guy that's on everybody's mind. Everybody knows that pretty much whatever happens in 2022 is going to hinge on whether or not Freddie comes back. With the lockout, these te- the teams are supposed to not be talking to players or agents. With every day that passes, do you feel like it benefits the Braves or it works against them as it pertains to signing Freddie, as it gets closer to what would be opening day? I, it, In my opinion, it's a benefit. Um, honestly, the second the lockout started, I thought it was the best thing that could happen to the Braves at that point because it had already gone too far. So the situation, whatever it may be, and we don't really know that, but I I felt like needed some time to kind of cool off. Um, and, and, you know, maybe when it starts back up, the market settled down a little bit. Everyone's not scrambling to sign these players before the deadline, and then a, a more serious conversation can start. Um, I, my 
I, I was more worried about someone else swooping in and, and snagging Freddie before the deadline than I am now after the deadline. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with that. You know, the benefit of the deadline, of course, is that it literally freezes everything. So at no point am I worried about getting that dreaded notification on my phone, you know, today or tomorrow about Freddie going elsewhere. So I suppose that's the good thing for my sake uh, on that point. Uh, but, you know, and, and listening to you guys, Doc, especially, like, I agree with, I just, I don't see him leaving, even at this point, you know, it, it from, from the standpoint of what Freddie means to the organization, to the PR side of things, especially with, you know, a particular left fielder uh, potentially make, making his comeback next year, uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, when you look at the haves and haves nots of who you're going to keep and who you don't, from a PR standpoint, I feel like it's a no-brainer on how to how to go about that. Well, I mean, it, it would be not only would it be a poor baseball decision to let Freddie go elsewhere, it would be a poor financial decision. I mean, you go to Truist Park any day of the week when they're playing baseball. Swear, fifty percent or more of the people in that stadium are wearing some kind of Freddie Freeman gear. Um, he's he's the face of the franchise. I have to imagine you know, maybe right behind Ronnie in terms of, uh, in terms of Jersey sales. Like it's, it's just, it's a bad decision in so many ways if you let him go anywhere. And, and I really don't expect it to happen. This doesn't make any sense. I mean, that if you were even just letting him walk, you'd open up a gigantic hole in pretty much every area of your team. Like you'd be talking about a whole new culture. And as much as we all laugh, Doc and I and all the other kind of stats type guys laugh at like clubhouse culture. It is a thing. And you, you've got to have the right type of guy leading it. And Freddie's always been really good at that. And he knows when it's his time to kind of step aside and let like Ronald shine. And, and he knows when it's time that he needs to step up. That's why I, I was really happy that this postseason he was able to kind of finally have those moments that you can kind of define a career on. So I, I can't see him leaving the Braves. I've been saying that the whole time, and I, I think, if anything, Alex, we've talked about this a lot, that Alex, that Alex is just going to let him go see if somebody would give him that sixth year and then tell him, hey, I'll match it. Just If somebody gives it to you, come let me know, and we'll we'll match that. Tie in with the PR with the, That's for the real. he who shall not be named, just the just bungling everything and and you never know that what what the what exactly the agreement is but i also think that it's very interesting how many of the prominent braves players put their you know put their neck out there and said resign freddie during the world series parade like oh, if that you was need, great yeah i mean dan's be doing it first and everybody's like oh thank god he ripped the band-aid off we can all say it now too because they're all thinking that's, it. that's that's also what you know when it when it means that much that it's you can tell that Freddie doesn't want to leave. He's having his teammates say stuff like that. He's, you know, like there, there's a reason. That's I could not ever imagine him wearing a different uniform than the Braves. He's kind of like he's in that chipper tier where you just he just wears a Braves uniform. Well, and even if he he was getting to a point where maybe he did have a big offer, and you know, if like he was gonna on the verge of taking it or something, let's say that <clears throat> Yankee swooped in and offered him six and one eighty or or something, just to use an example. You know, maybe he could say, like, he's frustrated with the Braves and he wants to go ahead and sign it. So, yeah, and the freeze comes in. He's like, well, he wasn't able to get it done. And now we can reset and say, is that really something I want to do? You know, and he's not in any position to have to take any less money than he needs to. He can, I mean, as far as first baseman go, he's like the guy now. He can he can really call the shots. And it, it, if it's up to him, you know, he doesn't have to take a, a discount. But, you know. Him and Matt Olson. I, I don't. What's that? Him and Matt Olson. 
Yeah, I mean, and and you know that that the A's, let's say that the that Freddie w- were to go and sign elsewhere, you know, the A's would be like, ooh, just licking their chops. Like, which of your prospects can I steal from you now that I know that I've got you by the, you know, by the stones? So, I don't know. I still don't see it happening. But I and I, I wonder too, just like how how long does it drag out? At what point do you start to realize like? We're gonna have to start building a roster in April because you know the lockout's gonna last into the season. Now, I will you know? say all that aside, if the unthinkable does happen, the depths of my fury and hatred will will know no bounds. <laughs> like, I I will freak out. I'm like, I I know I keep saying oh it's not gonna happen, but if it does, I will lose it. It'll be bad. I, I will instantly go from being the one calling for an Alex Anthopoulos statue outside of Truist Park uh, to the one who takes a piss on that statue when he goes to the stadium. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, what does that do to all of the goodwill that Anthopoulos has built over the past two or three years, especially this past uh, past season, you know, where he made those acquisitions at the deadline that ultimately got us through the world series you know letting your franchise player walk what does that say about your legacy as the general manager sure you brought a world series but beyond that you know after that occurs what have you let happen i'm trying to think of somebody in atlanta sports that would have had that quick and that insane of a turnaround happen where you just go from being the absolute hero michael vick is the only one i can go to that's the only like that's the type of turn people are going to take like that on top of the Marcelo Zuna thing. Like that's, that's the thing, man. Like there's no possible way this can happen. Like they're from any sort of sense, from a talent standpoint, from a baseball standpoint, from an off the field, from everything, there's no possible way that this could happen. You can't do it. You just can't let him walk, but it has been a couple of weeks since, since the Braves won the world series. And in the moment it was easy to get caught up in Solaire hitting one to Dallas Looking back on the entire World Series and just the playoffs as a whole, what do you take away? Like, what's your number one favorite memory from that entire run? What do you remember the most? The bullpen. Easy. Uh, I I mean, I I think of the bullpen before I think of of any position player, any starting pitcher, um, because I I was harping all season long and all of last offseason about how the Braves' number one priority needed to be preserving the bullpen that that ended 2020 as one of, if not the best bullpen in baseball. And and then they didn't really go out and, and do much to, to maintain that. Um, you, you lost several pieces that, that had been really good for you. And I was really worried about that. And for the guys that we had to step up the way they did uh, with – really no help from anyone we brought in from outside, be it last off season or, or trade deadline this year. Uh, that was just unexpected and, and as remarkable of a thing as I think I've seen in Braves baseball. Yeah. So, so my answer might be, <clears throat> might be a little bit selfish, uh, but the Braves won the world series on my birthday, which is, is, awesome. is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, you don't really expect that when you have a November 2nd birthday. Either. No. <laughs> no, no, you don't. You know, I obviously I, I wasn't old enough to remember 1995. So this was my first real experience seeing my favorite team in all of sports, not only make it to the World Series, but win the whole thing. And so for it to happen on my birthday is just kind of the, 
the extra cherry on top. Although I will say that it made most of the day really, really stressful because, you know, I'm at work and people are like poking their head in my door to wish me happy birthday. But of course I've got not now. I've got a ton of brave stuff in my office. They all know. And so they're all like, Oh, Hey, you think they're going to win it for your birthday tonight? And I'm like, man, I sure hope so. How many times did you have that conversation that day? Oh gosh, at least at least like seven or eight times, like people just stopping by my office or stopping me in the hall or in the building that I work in, you know. Um, but but from here from here on out, Cam gets to to tell, you know, his friends, his family, future generations of kids and grandkids how great his his sixteenth birthday was. Yeah, that's right. You know, I I got my license earlier that morning, and then I got to see the Braves win the World Series that night. It was pretty swell. I uh. I was kind of weird during the whole World Series. I was never nervous during the World Series. After we got past the Dodgers, I knew it was done. Like I was like, "There's," and me and Doc talked about it. Like I was not nervous at all. So all through that series, from when Solaire was was just mashing them to the moon, like I fully expected it. I had a little bit of nerves, but there were two moments really that I don't know that I can pick between. One is the Tyler Matzik strikeout of Mookie Betts. I have never been more in awe of a single pitching performance in that. Cause I just kept thinking the whole way through, like there's no way that he's going to get these on three strikes and, and almost on nine pitches. I mean, it's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Just beating in the minute and then just challenging Mookie bets and just saying, all right, I'm just going to throw three fastballs and they're each going to be harder than the one before. Uh, that was incredible, but I was 100% certain that Max broke his ankle. I was already getting ready to freak out. I thought there was no possible way. And then when he just kept getting stronger each inning, that was impressive. That was really impressive. Made a made some comparisons to 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 Willis Reed on uh, on on the show. Like it, it was it was Willis Reed. It was uh, it was ah uh, help me the guy from the Dodgers hit the home run Kirk Gibson Kirk Gibson it, it was it was all of it was the Jordan flu game like it was that but it was for us this it time. didn't feel like that like those ones felt like a dude just putting a team on his back and going this was like a dude that just went super saiyan like he got really pissed off that 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 could possibly happen and just willed it through and just kept getting better he's like all right I'm gonna keep the that that was almost like an angry amount. Like that was that was an incredible performance, especially coming off of the first start that he'd made in the World Series because he he didn't look very good in the first World Series start. I even had uh, a good buddy of mine who I've been watching the Braves with for for probably 15, 20 years text me and say, "Dude, I don't think we can start Max again in the World Series." Dude, that performance that was that was ridiculous, unbelievable. That's a dude that I like. That's a that's just a respect thing. Like that, that's incredible. That's one of my favorite performances of all time. It was uh, it was probably within 20 minutes of the game ending, I had purchased my Max Fried autographed ball. Well, and that performance just added to the mythos of this entire postseason with the Braves. You know, it's easy to say now, and you might not have necessarily realized it at the time. I know I certainly didn't just because you're so caught up in the pitch-by-pitch, pitch, you know, sequence of, of these games. But when you look back at it now and you see, you know, the Tyler Matzik situation where, you know, he gets out of that jam that, that Luke had created. And then not only that, but then goes back out and retires the side on like eight pitches uh, in the next inning that, that he throws. Then you move on from the Dodgers, you know, this Titan that you couldn't seem to figure out a way to beat. And 
in game one of the World Series, Charlie Morton pitches on a freaking broken leg, you know, and, and you add all these little scenarios to that, you know, this the Saturday night game on October 30th where you're down, uh, down two to nothing and the Solaire go ahead home run into the bullpen or, you know, the, the Duval grand slam. You know, I know that we didn't necessarily win that game, but that's a hell of a moment. It's 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 funny, and Cam did mention it in in passing. But we're we're going through all of these moments, um, and we haven't like gone in depth on uh, Charlie Evan Morton pitching on a broken leg and striking out a former MVP in the process. Well, I, I was thinking about that earlier today. I mean, he he managed to get what like two and a third mentor pitch more than Morton did in that game. Of course. Of course, Charlie Morton just <laughs> broke his leg. And here comes AJ Minter to just save the day. And it's like, it's nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like Dylan said, the, the World Series was the NLCS. It, I, I was I, I incredibly mean, nervous every single game. Oh, I was living and dying with that one. It was brutal. That's the most relief I've ever felt as a Braves fan. But to like that Charlie Morton thing, one, it was the most Braves thing to have happen ever. Your your number one pitcher in the World Series, the best guy on either squad, cruising, just the guy that's going to be the difference against the Astros the, because he used yeah. to play for well, them. The reason why you were in good condition, boom, right in the leg, and then Max gets broken on, and then you're like, oh, cool, I guess he can just automatically heal himself. I came across the video of the, I believe, the seventh inning of Game Two of the NLCS. Um, this is where we were down four to two. And then I think this is when they brought in Urias and took six pitches for us to close the lead. And this was where it was like the kid standing on the outfield wall, just completely losing his mind, screaming at Mookie Betts as Ozzy comes flying in. This is, you know, Rosario tag, you know, when, uh, Rosario tagged up and went to second on that one play where it was like, what are you doing? You bonehead. You can't do that. And then running, it was the Ron Washington inning. And, you know, like, oh, my God. If you get a chance to go back and rewatch that, and that's the same game where they walked it off against Kenley Jansen through one pitch. Whoo. That just ball's got some heat on it. Unbelievable. That was a good one. And also, just got to mention Kyle Wright saving the oh, day man. in game four in of the World Series because Dylan Lee tried his best. And – Mm. And so the bases are loaded in the top of the first inning, and here comes Kyle right, and it's like, oh no, what did I do to deserve this? And he killed it. He he pitched better than Ian Anderson did during the no hitter. You know what I mean? How cool, by the way, was it to see Tucker Davidson start? It didn't go well for him, but how cool was that to see Tucker Davidson get a pitch in there? The first inning, he looked great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that that was an insanely cool moment, man. But. After 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 one inning in Game Five, I I was on top of the world. <laughs> I made the fatal mistake of building that game up to have to be the one where we won it. Like I I had my dad drive down from Chattanooga so I could take him to the battery for that one. Like spent the whole day telling him the story about how like I've talked with Tucker Davidson and he's been on the show and all that. Now he's getting this start after not being with the team since June. Like just, just built it up, built it up, built it up. And as you know, we know well as Braves fans that those typically end poorly. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, with the whole thing that happened to Morton, it was that game five that you kind of not necessarily chalked up as a loss, 
but you certainly looked at it as like, okay, well, here's where we hit that bump in the road with our rotation. So I did hate blowing the lead in that game, but you know, it wasn't in my mind, not necessarily a do or die scenario where we had to win it. The one that I did lose my cool on though, was game five in LA where we had the chance to clinch the series and couldn't and that's that's the one that i i personally and alex can tell you in the group chat got a little upset that night because i was just waiting because you know we had gone up three to one and then suddenly it's three two and all of a sudden my mind is just flooding with flashbacks of 2020 and i'm just like oh god here it comes this is it we had our chance and we didn't take it i mean i was pretty i was pretty calm on that like i me and Doc both were. We were texting about that at the time. They're like, yeah, you know, you're still on, you're still on pace. You still won both of the first two series. But even so, man, that final game, those last couple of innings, I was – It's hard to fight off 3-1, especially, you know, do it two years in a row yeah. and, and you start to see the same script play out. And with game three, with Luke having, you know, the Cody Bellinger home run and that, that implosion, it was like we were – one still bad. An, an obscenely ridiculous pitch for him to have been able to yeah yeah that, that's the thing like you can't even call it a bad pitch because yeah, 99 so times high. out of 100 that doesn't happen you know like the yeah. stars align and, and i love i love that luke had the balls to get into his post-game interview and say I yeah i mean you put me back in there i'll throw that again absolutely that's funny because like i actually threw it higher than i wanted to <laughs> <laughs> And because of all that, you know, you start to see it's like, oh, we had our chance. We didn't take it just like this time, just like that time. And the next thing you know, you're going on a deep manifesto about this is just like the 1986 (laughs) NBA Conference Finals against the Celtics. And you're like, this is just like that all over again. I think I think at one point during my diatribe that night when we lost game five, I think at one point I said, I just want nice things for my teams. (laughs) Because I had I had put it in my head so much with that game that that was a Max Breed start. And I was like, who better to finally take out the Dodgers than our boy Max Freed to finally, you know, and then he goes out there and had the game that he did. And it was like, okay, well, we're done. It's over. That was oh, the my. fastest tipping fix of all time. But, again, I want some funny questions for our Christmas listeners. Let's get to fun yeah. stuff. Doc, take us down before we turn this into a three-hour episode. We're baseball podcast first, man. We got to give the people what they want. I'm still not even sure that we've done that. Okay, so you guys know the drill. You are listeners of TPS as well. So we have our segment, Extra Innings. Guys, kind of bungled on your homework, but I wasn't positive whether or not you were going to actually come up with some questions. So I have a full slate for you today. We are going to go in the following order from every question just to avoid overlap. We're going to go Cam, Alex, Dylan, and then I will fill you guys on the very end. First question. What is something completely inconsequential that you spend too much time worrying about? Ooh. What the driver behind me at a red light is thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think they're like judging your driving or you just mean like in the scope of their full day? Uh, Maybe, maybe a little bit of both. Like I'm pretty bad about looking in my rear view mirror and seeing somebody and being like, look at this. It's yeah. funny because I, I was I was thinking something very similar, but mine was more along the lines of when you finally pass that <laughs> like how hard I stare into their driver's <laughs> side window, trying to see what this guy looks like 
that he would be that dumb. To just on the transmit way. the glare from your the disappointment and the judgment from your <laughs> eyes straight to him. So he knows. Yeah, it's like confirmation bias. You have to look at it and be like, oh, of course, that's exactly what you look like. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I mean. You would. You would look like that after driving like that. <laughs> I don't know. I get really, really weird about things. It's nothing quite as funny as that, but but little small things like the way my seatbelt leans when I sit in the car, the way I get down into the car, I'm very, I'm very weird about little tiny things that take nothing and mean nothing. But if I don't do it right, I just, I, I will consciously make sure that I pull the strap at exactly the same speed and rotation that I did the day before. I, like my inconsequential thing, this is actually what prompted this question. I was like in the shower the other day and I have, you know, I'm built like a regular person, except to have like a freakishly long torso. I have like trouble finding uh, shirts that I can wear properly because if I like reach some reach for something on the top shelf, I'm like flashing bare midriff like it's in middle school. Like when I go and I clean myself, I'm like regular person, right? But there's like you know you can do like the lower back and then you can go over the top like this. But I'm convinced that I have just like a stripe of dirt in the middle of my back that has <laughs> never been cleaned. It's just about yay thick, and I'm just like walking around just mostly clean but kind of filthy like right there you know what i mean Dude, that is horrible and this bothers me every time i shower so. i don't know why you guys had to bring that up now i can't stop thinking about either of those things like alex that that might actually be the most inconsequential thing that i do too often that was a that was fantastic but yours now doc i can't get that out of my head because i think the same thing you're about to start measuring your arms right and seeing like, like can i can am i the me? only one that's got like one of those sponge on a stick things so i can well, it Get came with your shower and... seat, so it... <laughs> <Thank> you, <that's... laughs> I'll like take the loofah and put it like right on the back of my neck, and I'll just have like the I'll just have like the soap run over it. Oh, so 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 you treat your back like like I treat my ankles, and like oh, the the runoff will get it. I've never cleaned my ankles in my entire life. I don't think <laughs> not once. So, uh, Cam, we're gonna go to you on this one. What is the worst concert you've ever seen? Ooh. Ooh, worst concert. Um, maybe a surprising answer, but I'll say Jimmy Buffett. And this is from somebody who's actually a Jimmy Buffett fan, but not as big of a Jimmy Buffett fan as those sitting around me during the concert. The the parrot head effect is real. I mean, it is a very real thing. And you know, and I had a good time. Don't get me wrong, but you know, when you know four of his songs as compared to the thirty something that he sang that night, it's kind of like okay, well, I'm I'm here getting a contact high. I guess that's good enough. <laughs> so when was this? Was this recent Buffett or was this a long time ago? Uh, I, it, I was in high school, so this was about ten years ago. Yeah. Okay. Who did I say is going going second in this whole mess? Is it, it should be Alan, me. Alex but I've never I've never <laughs> been to a bad concert actually. Um, that should be shouldn't be surprising. I'm very cheap and I'm not going to spend money if I know that it's going to suck. So I generally only go to concerts that I feel that I know for sure are going to be awesome. Uh, and so far they have been. Um. I... It's hard to pick because I've had some concerts that that I didn't enjoy, but it's not necessarily because the the performer was doing poorly. It's because my wife really wanted to go see Maroon Five or something like that. <laughs> um, but the, the the only that I, I mean I, I it's it, taking her to one of those is the reason I can say I've seen Kelly Clarkson live on stage. Um, <laughs> um, but the, the only one that like, I went to that, that, um, pretty much, pretty much had to leave. It was so bad. Um, so doc, you'll appreciate this. It was, a, it was, a, it was an Umphreys McGee show. 
but it wasn't Umphreys that that was that bad. Okay, uh, it was the opening band, the Spin Doctors, and and they were I for some reason I think I feel like they'd gotten in an over an hour as an opening act, which is insane to begin with. And I don't know if their sound guy was out to lunch or what was going on, but they sounded it, like I, I couldn't be in the building. Um, and and me and my buddies just went like left and went to the bar. And it was a it was a bad match of opener and main act too. It was it was strange. Well, you guys listen was... to weird hipster smoke. I shouldn't say hipster, just straight up hippie smoke as much as you possibly can. Type fish bands. You're bound to get some of those weird mashups because they were high as balls when they tried to make them. I don't think fish sounds like what you think fish sounds like. But on that note, Cam. having seen them. Having seen them many times, I get it. I get it. I'm not asking you to like them, right? Like I'm. I'm widespread panic is to me as fish is to Doc, but I kind of understand people who don't want to go to their oh, shows. Yeah. I get. Yeah. It. I just want to feel what you guys feel at those. I don't have anybody that I feel that with. It's it's well, pretty special. Dude, Fish is the worst concert I've ever seen. Like four or five of them I've gone to and been like, I just wasted so much money. I drove to Cincinnati for this. What just happened? Um, but I mean, I my they they're not my favorite concert. Like it's like Paul McCartney and Radiohead, and then it's like Fish, 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 Fish. fish. You know what I mean? There's they're littered throughout the top twenty. But yeah, the the worst concerts I've ever seen were. Uh, one time I drove to Tuscaloosa or maybe it was Birmingham to see fish in 2014. It was God awful. It was terrible. And also, uh, saw Willie Nelson back in 2018. I think Alison Krauss opened and she's an angel. Oh, man. she's she... phenomenal. Her, I, I got, I got to see her on the first tour she did with Robert Plant. And it was, wow. it was, uh, it was a religious experience. They played in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Of course they did. Allison Krauss and Robert F. and Plant. Um, and it was it was unbelievable. I think I think that was the first time music like actually made me cry. Yeah. It's it's she's she's an angel for sure. And then Willie Nelson came out and it was like I only knew it was on the road again because I knew it was on the road again. Right. Like I mean, and he just woke up, it was like 10 15 at night, but I also <laughs> saw Monster Magnet. You were talking about incongruent like opener and concert. I saw Monster Magnet open for Aerosmith once. It made zero sense weird i saw coheed and cambria open Ugh. for government mule Ugh. okay can i change my answer <laughs> that, that's an odd one yeah there's, there's an odd I, saw, one. I saw coheed and cambria at a at a warp tour one year Ugh. it's weird dude they're it's really they're weird. so bad before we get out of this because it's now made me curious i, I want to hear everybody's best concert they've been to well i tipped my hand already it was paul mccartney in 2017 just where at Gwinnett Arena. You were talking. Robert Plant played in in Chattanooga. Paul McCartney came to Duluth. <laughs> was it Christmas time? It's I a mean, Beetle in Duluth. And and this was the same day that Acuna went to AAA. And I remember like being like sneaking off to the bathroom like during uh, like before Paul came on and try and being furious that I couldn't like get enough signal to like. It was check it was the, a great day for Gwinnett County. <laughs> it was a really good day. It was like right across. You know, it's like right over there. So I tip my hand. Y'all go ahead. You want Dylan, you're next. Okay, uh, Motley Crue. Uh, I went with my brother, Allison. Uh, it was his. It was his uh, his first concert, and um, Alice Cooper opened for them, and it was the coolest vibe I've ever been at at any concert. It was just a whole bunch of dudes like you and Doc's age, 
just getting after it uh and older <laughs> like guys like 50 years old like the guys that you know they were clearly in their prime when when the 80s were, were going heavy and motley was on top of the world just guys that were reliving that life going nuts there was nothing like nobody was getting crazy nobody was throwing any punches at anybody like everybody was just sitting there just having the time of their lives and it was the coolest thing ever like it wasn't the best show as far as like how good motley was they really weren't particularly great um but the vibe of that concert like nobody cared like everybody was just singing at the top of their lungs just screaming there were so many people that i guarantee if you you're into marlboro reds and miller light that's the place to be dude it was it was so there wasn't even much of that like it was just a whole bunch of dudes in their 40s to mid 50s just going at it there's so many there were so many call outs from work the next morning these guys were going like i cannot I can't properly express like the joyous look on these dudes' faces as there's just jumping and you can see. <laughs> just, I know oh, that man. feeling. When Alice Cooper started singing 18, they just started going nuts. Cam, what's your best concert, buddy? Uh, best concert I've ever been to was Jamie Johnson. I saw him at the Durham Theater a, a few years ago. Jamie Johnson's phenomenal. Dude, I tell you, you know, as great as his voice is, you know, on recordings, of course, in person, he sings through your just he barrels through your chest and it's incredible, especially in an intimate environment like the Durham Theater is, which is a, a fairly small venue. You know, it, it was just awesome. I'm surprised he didn't peel the paint off the walls that night. I mean, they just he came out there probably drunk on stage and just tore the house down the entire night. It, it was it was truly awesome. I, I saw uh, there was a tour where um, where Warren Haynes had put together a band uh, so they could go city to city and recreate the last waltz by the band. Um, awesome. Which was amazing. And he put together a pretty all-star band. It was Warren Haynes and Michael McDonald and Jamie Johnson and Terrence Higgins and a bunch of other just unbelievable guys. But uh, Jamie Johnson singing The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down uh, just was, an, again, a religious experience. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's one of those guys that I, I feel like if you have a chance to see him live, even if you really don't know his music, just from a pure musician standpoint, he's somebody that I think everybody can enjoy. And mm -hmm. like, I'm not a big country music fan, but he's got one of those styles that's that's palatable even to people who aren't big fans of country music. Well, he 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 comes from the era of country music that's just more storytelling than anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not. It's not, not like necessarily forcing a twang or something. Yeah, it's, like it's that. not forcing a twang or you know talking about being on the farm or, or you know trying to be rock country or bro country or anything like that. It's very much from like the Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash school of tell a story about everyday people, and I think that's why his music resonates so well with everyone. Which is why somebody like that is perfect to be involved with something like the band. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so mine was. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of of old blues music, um, and I, unfortunately I never got the chance to go see BB King. That's one of my one of my greatest concert regrets. Um, but uh, when I was living up in Chicago, I took every opportunity I possibly could to go see Buddy Guy perform. Uh, and every January, he would play Thursday through Sunday at his club in downtown Chicago. This place holds maybe. 250, 300 people, it is a small club. Uh, like the stage is 
maybe a foot and a half off of off of the uh, the ground at the club. Um, and he would get some some phenomenal opening acts. So uh, he's a good blues musician. Like you don't have to know the songs that they're going to play uh, to to enjoy the show. Uh, they interact with the crowd in a way that I don't really see in other genres of music. So whether or not you've seen him before, he'll have you eaten out of the palm of his hand by the time you leave that show. Uh, and he had this guy opening up for him named Christone Kingfish Ingram, uh, who at the time was 19 years old, uh, a dude from Mississippi, uh, weighing about a solid 350, 400, uh, but played the guitar like Jimi Hendrix. And, and the the combination of those two, this 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 old blues legend who's in like his mid to late 80s and this this up and coming kid that's like 19 years old uh sharing the stage together was, was unbelievable Did you ever see uh, and especially there, no that would have been that was that was my dad's favorite musician so that's i think like, i was i, grew I up think i was like blues. seven when stevie died so I, I grew up on all that blue stuff too so like albert king oh yeah and, and yep. stevie right like those when you didn't really have to like that style of music just when you heard these guys playing it's just different if the name if the name had king at the end of it you were going to be in good shape whether it be bb freddie albert anyone and albert played a true like false lefty guitar he just took a right-handed flying v and flipped it played it lefty yeah so he played it yep. backwards his entire career it was the most awesome thing ever like the dude was phenomenal uh but i agree yeah. any of those blues shows like when you hear what those guys are able to make the guitar kind of feel like that's just it, mm -hmm. like you can feel whatever they're wanting you to feel just based on the notes they're hitting. It's that's a different Absolutely. level. Of, that's a different level of play. Uh, a close runner up was also from Chicago. I saw the Allman Brothers band on their final tour before Greg Allman died at the Chicago theater. Um, and obviously a reworked lineup from their original one. But uh, in my opinion, uh, Derek Trucks is the greatest guitar player on the face of Earth right now. Um, and him and Warren Haynes going back and forth on those guitars is, is, uh, I'll have that ringing in my head for the rest of my life. There's, uh, at the lock-in in 2019, you know, Trey Anastasio band, you know, Trey's from Fish, and he's, he's been my favorite guitarist ever since the first note I heard him play. And, uh, Tedeschi Trucks band were there as well. And I heard a, a sit-in, uh, Derek came out and played with Trey's band and very different styles, but, um. Derek kind of smoked my guy there when yeah. I was listening to the two side by side. I'm like, Oh no, it's not like that. <laughs> so I, I got to meet him one time when I was working at the Fox. Uh, it was uh, the, the, I'm sure doc, you'll, you'll understand this reference, but I'll explain it for everyone else. It was the Colonel Bruce Hampton show. Uh, so uh, it was this guy, they were, they were putting on this big show had like, 40 or 50 different musicians come out to, to take the stage over the course of like an eight hour show to celebrate this guy's 70th birthday. He ended up dying on stage that night. This is the most rock and roll thing I've ever heard. My like last song, last song of the encore, he's going around and he's pointing to all the different musicians kind of saying, you get the solo now, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. And he throws a solo to, to this kid Taz Niederauer, who is like 13 years old but plays uh, a Gibson Les Paul like like someone who's been doing it for 50 years. And as soon as he he throws the solo to, to Taz, just out, down on stage. Um, but 
uh, that night before the show, uh, got to uh, was was walking around the side of the building with a stack of programs, running them backstage. And uh, there's this little cutout where where everyone smokes cigarettes when they leave backstage. So walk by there, and there's uh, there is uh, Bruce Hampton, who they're celebrating. Uh, Jimmy Herring, the guitar player for Widespread Panic, my favorite band. Uh, Warren Haynes, legendary guitar player, and Derek Trucks, the guy we're talking about here, um, stopped and gave them all programs and shook hands and said hi. Uh, Derek Trucks' hand, I swear, came up to here when when we shook hands. Like it, it makes sense that he can do things with a guitar that that other human beings can't. Yeah, he's he's awesome, and and I saw I got to see Tedeschi trucks at Lockin in, in uh, 2016, like the full outfit. It's it's pretty spellbinding stuff. It really, it's really, is. really good. Well, all right, so I do want to pivot off of that, and then here's a fun exercise. And Dylan and I have done this before, but starting with Cam, what animal? <clears throat> if you were an animal, not would you what would you want to be, but what based on who you are now, what type of animal would you be? And you also have to do that for your podcast partner. <laughs> uh oh. All right. Let's see. What animal would I be? Um, I think I'd be a tortoise. I think I would right. just just because. <laughs> no. All right. All right. Hang on. Hang on. Because I just kind of, I don't know. I just kind of go at my own pace. Kind of, kind of do my own thing. You know. Slow and steady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slow and steady. I'm gonna say Alex is a Clydesdale. All right. Here's why. Go on. All right. Hear, hear me out here. So Alex is one of the Budweiser Clydesdales that the good things don't happen unless he does his job because he is the creative and directing force behind our podcast. Does that work? Dang. That is way more flattering than I thought you were going to go. That was a little too flattering. I feel like that was fake. Oh, man. It's okay. I'll, I'll make up for it later. <laughs> yeah, so Dylan, uh, when it's your turn to t- say what I am, I can't be like a platypus or something. It's got to be like... Ah, <laughs> uh, So, what would I be? Um, You were going to say Clydesdale, weren't you? I was yes, yes. I was yeah, gonna yeah. say a Clydesdale, uh, specifically the Bud's, Budweiser Clydesdale. Uh, I only come around for special events. Uh, <laughs> um, this is a result of me being a dog guy, but I'm thinking about a about a two year old lab. Is is what I'd be. Um, and 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 here's why. I'm 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 quite loyal. I like to lay around a lot, but at the same time, if something mildly annoys me, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> Cam. Uh-uh. <laughs> I was nice to you. For now. Cam is Cam is a hippopotamus. And here's why. <laughs> and here's why. On, Here starts the redemption tour. <laughs> on, the, on the surface... Uh, super, super cute and cuddly, uh, like, like fun to look at. You see pictures of it. You're like, oh, there's a hippopotamus. But deep down inside, stone cold killer. Absolute killing machine. Yeah, there's a reason that some of my stuff stays in the drafts or, uh, in, in DMs. Cause there's some stuff I just, I can't unleash on humanity to be fair. Wow. Wow. 
Y'all have a more complicated relationship than I realized. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dylan, what do you got, buddy? So for myself, I don't know. I'd probably be something dumb, something that's attention is like easily distracted. So I'd probably say something like some stupid deer. One of those dumb dumbs that like jumps right in front of a car. That'd probably be me. As much as I would say I want to be something cool, that's probably what I would be. Um, this one, I was trying to think. I don't know how these animals are like in real life, but you would be like the the baboon from The Lion King, just having to put up with these idiots all the time. Just <laughs> keep them steering them right. Just the wise and just bah, come on. I was gonna say Doc's probably more, more of an uncomfortable poodle. <laughs> That's one way. That's to probably. Put it. I'm I, I, probably very. And, and I'm only saying that so I so I can uh, shout out the Instagram account that his dog has because yeah. it's it's become one of my favorite things. Well, I'm I am glad you like it. I, I swear I was the only person that thought it was funny. Like my my dog, he's like a horse. You know what I mean? We got him a we got him a bed that's like this big and no matter what he does he can't get on it so i actually the reason i have an instagram account was because i realized that he should have one and then i realized that the only thing more sad than a grown man starting an instagram account at age 38 for himself (laughs) was a grown man starting an instagram account for his dog first the greatest thing i've ever heard in my life i used to think i used to say that similar to rakes where i said like i would just would be like a dog like a like an old chilled out lab like a just i've done my time i've seen some stuff man and i just want to be i just want to go hide in a dark room and lay in a bed i used to think this about myself but kind of what you were saying about like the baboon and i'm surrounded by these idiots i get a little moody and i still want to go and hide in the dark room and much to my dismay i don't think i'm a dog i actually think i'm a cat and dylan i think you'd be a woodpecker that makes sense (laughs) <laughs> that's probably pretty good one. just keep beating my head against a stupid tree over and over how, how are the trades coming are you still getting just horrible feedback oh, has anybody told you you don't know ball oh, dude like i don't know how many times i have to say that they're just they're not real like they're i'm literally just bored and making stupid things the the most recent one at least that i saw was actually the first one where i was like ah Dude, the more you thought about it, the better that I'm, would look. I'm not. I'm Pull not, that trigger, Daddy. I'm. I'm not. I'm not running to go. You know, replace Dansby with Cronenworth. But I mean, if it gets us Darvish too, there there have been times where I have texted Dylan and said, "I would never say this in public, but I would do that deal in a heartbeat." Oh uh, yeah, I know exactly which trade you're talking about too, and you both yeah. know too. It's the one that people really did not like. You can't fake trade Mike Soroka, man. This wasn't the Mike Soroka one. I've traded him 10 million times. All right, before we completely infuriate the rest of our fan base, because I think I said a lot of disparaging things about Mike Soroka on accident as well last episode. i got to stop drinking before these. Cam, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? Tis the season. Tis the season. Uh, favorite Christmas tradition is one that's relatively new for my wife and I. Um so a little bit of background, both of my parents are remarried, both of her parents are remarried, and they all live within 20, 30 miles of each other. So we don't have the travel excuse to not see folks around Thanksgiving and Christmas. So this time of year is just nuts for us. 
But the one thing that we love to do now, especially now that we've got a little one, is, you know, once she's off to bed on Christmas night, we've had the big day of opening presents and seeing everybody. We both like to just pour a glass of wine, sit down on the couch, turn a little Christmas music on, just have the tree on and just relax. It is literally something I look forward to for like the whole week leading up to Christmas is that 30, 45 minutes on the couch, hanging out with the Mrs. just relaxing finally. And so are you going to four different houses? So more than that, because what ends up happening is step family has some Christmas stuff and we do that. Really, Christmas for us started last weekend. Uh, We had three different functions to go to and now we have two jam-packed days ahead of us uh, this weekend. It's one of those things where we know it won't be like that forever, so we try to enjoy it while it is like that, you know? And and it it is fun being able to see everybody. Yeah, it's just it just gets to be a lot, you know. Com- company's hard, and having oh, yeah. to get in intro and outro like four different times over the day, where it's like, I don't know if if your mom's like my mom. My mom can stretch out a goodbye like forty five minutes. Oh yes, yeah. and, lovely and woman. Guilt trip you every step of the way. <laughs> a lot of nodding going on here. <laughs> okay, yeah. I guess like, if you have to go, send, sending me home with leftovers. Like mom, you didn't even cook. Yeah, <laughs> Are these from three nights ago. Like this is my Tupperware. Alex, what you got, buddy? Um, we don't have a ton in the way of, of traditions, certainly nothing that, you know, we can trace back for decades, but, um, we're doing something on Christmas Eve this year with my side of the family that seems like it could end up becoming a tradition, uh, that, that I think is going to be really enjoyable. Um, so on Christmas Eve, it's going to be my parents, my sister and brother-in-law, and then my wife and I. Uh, and each couple is tasked with coming up with uh, some kind of Christmas cocktail. So uh, each couple is responsible for making six of these drinks, and then, you know, everybody has uh, a bunch of drinks, and we we choose a winner. About to be hammer time on Christmas. <laughs> I like it. Cool. I like it. I, you know, now that I say that, it is kind of a, a Christmas tradition that that me and my side of the family get absolutely tanked on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I've had many a hungover Christmas morning with my family. As long as it doesn't get belligerent. I mean, do you do you fight? Do you go like full on Boston route where everybody's oh, no, just throwing no, punches? No, no. no, it's it's always it's always happy drinking. Um, it, it's never it's never gone a, a direction like that. What do you say, Dylan? So we don't have any traditions really right now but i'm very excited about carter now being old enough to kind of understand that he's getting gifts and do that and get to set my place as far as what i do on a christmas morning this is the first one we're gonna have the morning at our house normally we would go to my mom's for a christmas breakfast where we always have like french toast and hash brown casserole uh, tons of bacon and sausage and then you know be my brother and stuff coming over but uh, this year we're doing it a little bit later, and then this is the first one where I get to like wake up in the morning, and we have Christmas at our house. So I'm pretty excited about that. So he's <laughs> 17 months. Yes, is that right? Yes. Yeah. As of the 19th. So he, yeah, so he's fully capable of just absolutely oh, yeah. destroying wrapping paper yeah. and everything else. He's a he's he's <laughs> well, a hellion. He's he's a little heathen. We tried for kids and it wasn't in the cards and most for the most part I'm okay with it. But then when I start seeing like you guys and the way y'all light up when you talk about kids. I'm so tired though. I'm so tired. 
<laughs> yeah. And it just keeps getting, like, it doesn't get any better. Because two is right around the corner. I start thinking I want kids, and then I wake up on at, like, 10.30 a.m. Oh, on my days you. off. And I'm like, you know, maybe this isn't so bad. There, there are some perks. This room is supposed to be a nursery. It's a music studio. <laughs> when it's at the best so. times, it's super awesome. But there are plenty of moments you're like, oh, why did I do this? I, I get to... I get to see you guys going through it and and consistently evaluate whether or not that's something I might if I might be interested in acquiring a child in some type of transaction. I, I can't wait to to hear uh, the trade proposals that Dylan comes up with for Doc to get a child. Would you trade Mike Soroka? <laughs> Doc is definitely trading Mike Soroka for a two. Absolutely. What What about you guys? What do you guys do? Wake up, coffee, coffee, cake. Christmas morning and then go to my parents' house and just eat 4,000 calories of either shrimp and grits or some giant Italian spread that my mom is doing this year. And uh, I just, I really appreciate a good eating holiday. My Thanksgiving is one of my favorites. Every, oh, every holiday is an eating holiday. Fourth of July, man, that's the biggest eating holiday of them all. How many hot dogs are you going to eat? You start thinking about St. Patrick's Day too. Like everything is just designed around mass consumption <laughs> for, for everything, whether it be liquid or solid. So... Um, and at Christmas, it comes to a head because you're you're eating way too much and drinking way too much. But I get to drive home from the mountains, so I'll save the save the drinking until we're uh, you know sitting and staring at our tree and doing absolutely nothing. I'm officially starting the petition to make Arbor Day a food holiday. What are we gonna eat? We got to figure that out. The little broccoli, little Debbie, like the like the holiday <laughs> yeah, trees. <little> holiday trees <laughs> just cut like in the shapes of broccoli. We could just eat. No, we're not going to eat actual broccoli. I think this is probably a pretty good place to end. It is the season, and you know it's about time to get to some of our Christmas traditions for now. But I just want to say, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, sorry, we, we had like basically zero baseball to talk about. That's bull crap. We talked like half <laughs> a we, show of baseball. We, yeah, and we still got a half an hour of baseball content in there. We'll do this again when there's as more active actual baseball that is that is taking place hopefully we'll you know we'll have something and we won't lose too many games to the uh, to the rest of the lockout and we'll have a regular season we got a pretty decent streak going for the past four years i'd like to keep it alive cam alex tell them where they can find you you can find the chatting average podcast of course on the sports drink network but everywhere you find your podcast spotify pandora google play um all of all of those Google Play's not a podcast outlet. It just came out of my mouth. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Average Chatting because at Chatting Average was taken, and uh, I'm still trying to find the guy who took it. Uh, can follow me on Twitter at Riley's Rakes. Cam is at Hey Cam ninety three. That is correct because at Hey Cam is taken by somebody who actually is active on their account. So don't think I don't look him up like once a week. <laughs> awesome well you guys are doing really great work and uh, i know you're you're taking some time for uh, for the off season it's very wise to do so and uh look forward to having you guys back in the chair and uh keep it the great work you know and uh like you said we we've had a pretty good run of it but you know we just had two two division titles that had no playoff ascension you guys keep going and there's nowhere it, you know we do like the galactic series after this so right, we win that right. in 2022 and everybody has to retire Perfect. Looking forward to it. Dylan, do you have anything you would like to say to the listeners before we let them go for the year? It's always a lot of fun. I really do. I'm really glad that I that TPS is still going strong. Um, even through pretty much all the other shows that I this has been this is 
what I like to do the most. These are just more fun shows. These don't even feel like episodes, especially ones like tonight, which we obviously had zero to talk about. Um, it just, you know, just feels like you're sitting around talking. Uh, really appreciate our listeners. Really appreciate all y'all. It's been a really, really cool ride and uh, very proud of what we've done here. So really cool to have y'all on. Uh, I love that the network's growing a little bit bigger um, with, with some genuine friends of mine now on it. So that's very, very cool and really like uh, liked having y'all on. Alex, you should be happy. Now you're actually going to have some some audio to go to prove that you've been on the show. <laughs> Cam, you get to always brag that you're batting a thousand where he's batting, you know, one for two. Or one for Just three. Just happy really. to be here, brother. Hey, th- 333 gets me into the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Thank you, Dylan, for uh, not letting me uh, jump ship in the middle of the season when it got really tough. Uh, last time I was thinking about it and thank you to all the TPS listeners uh, whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah uh, Kwanzaa, whatever it is just make it happy, we will see you guys in 2022 thank you, we love you okay, bye we're done, it's over no mas.